Well, it's good to be back. We're going to be in Numbers, chapters 13 and 14. And we have a lot of reading to do. So let me pray for a moment, then we'll read. Father, we thank you for your word, the reality in it. It's frightening to see truth sometimes up close, especially when we step back and recognize that we have done that ourselves. We pray for eyes to see, ears to hear, feet to obey. We pray as we spend time here, there'll be some things that will strike us, We'll go home and study and, and say, Abba, Father, I need you for all I do. We commit our time now to you in Christ's name. Amen. So if you're in Bibles, turn to Numbers 13. We are going to be dealing with the tenth test. There's ten tests. This is number 10 of the test. It's at Kadesh Barnea. And so um, we will start verse, verse 17. When Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, Go up there to the Negev, then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like, and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. How is the land which they live? Is it good or bad? How are the cities which they live? Are they like open camps or with fortifications? How is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land, for the wilderness was in as far as Rebub and Lebohamath, when they came up to Nagai, they came in Hebron. Uh, I'm not read all the names. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they, then they came to the valley of Esco, and from there cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes. They carried on it a pole between two men with some of the pomegranates and the figs. That place was called the valley of Esco because of the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from there. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of Negev, and the Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we surely will overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. 
saying the land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, a part of the Nephilim, and became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. I'm going to stop there for a moment so I can get my slavograms. And I have an autoimmune problem that my body doesn't produce slava. And so when I preach, my mouth dries up. That's how come I'm chewing gum. I'm always chewing gum. And so I have the doctors baffled. So we all have troubles. And though what we've read, we've all heard this before. But you're going to catch a different slant this time. Let's go on to chapter 14. And I'm not going to go through every verse and give you a diction on every verse, but I'm going to broad stroke it. Then all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we have died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bring us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them. The Lord is with us. With us, Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. The Lord said to Moses, How long will this people spurn me, and how long will they not believe me, despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst? I will smite them with pestilence and dispossess them. I will make you in a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it. For by your strength you brought up this people from their midst, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen eye to eye, while your clan your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you slay this people as one man, then the nations who have heard of your fame will say, Because the Lord cannot bring this people in the land which he promised them by oath, therefore he slaughtered them in the wilderness. But now I pray, let the power of the Lord be great, just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiven iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children to the third and fourth generations. Pardon, I pray, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your loving kindness, just as you have also forgiven this people from, from Egypt even unto now. Verse 20. So the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word, but indeed as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. 
Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times, and have not listened to my voice, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of these spurn by my ye see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and followed me fully, I will bring the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession. Now the Amalekites and Canaanites live in the valleys, turned them all, and set out to the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. The Lord spoke to Moses and saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel which you are making against me. As I live, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Even all your number men, according to your complete number, from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me, surely you shall not come into the land which I swore to sell you, except Caleb and Joshua. Your children, however, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring them in, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in the wilderness. Your sons will shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness, and they shall suffer for your unfaithfulness until that your corpses lie in the wilderness. According to the number of days which you spied at the land, 40 years, for every day you shall bear your guilt, even 40 years, and you shall know my opposition. I, the Lord, have spoken. Sure this I will do all this evil con congregation who are gathered together against me. In the wilderness they shall be destroyed, and there they will die. As for the men whom Moses sent out to spy out the land, and who returned, and who made all the congregation grumble against me by bringing out a bad report concerning the land, even those who brought out the very bad report of the land died by a plague before the Lord. But Joshua and Caleb remained alive out of those who went to spy out the land. Lot, territory. This is about three sermons, and I'm aware of that. But as I work through my book, and that's what I'm trying to do, I can't get an audience to listen to three chapters. I know some ladies in a Bible study, several Bible studies going on, ladies involved in them, they don't read. How can you know God by not reading and meditating? You've got to be able to read. And I've seen this in college students. My last year, they wouldn't read the book, and they got burned. You've got to read the book. It is life and death. My first come in here, I knew John Stone at uh, Berean Bible. In fact, when we moved to town, his congregation helped us move in. Loved him. He was just too far away, the opposite side of town that I was on, to go regularly. And I had been here a time or two, in fact, about three or four times. 
But John Stone died. Chris died. In a relatively short period of time apart. And my profession as a statistician, and then biblically, I look for patterns. God's presence was being destroyed in two areas. And so I told the Lord, well, let me be available, whatever you want. And Caleb and Joshua are those kind of men. And so we're going to look at this. You know, when you, when you go through passages like in the Old Testament, young believers or immature believers have really no understanding of the full counsel of God. They think God's ways in the Old Testament are harsh. And they're really not. I, I'm glad I didn't live at that time. I would have had the same problems they did. I praise God that I live in the dispensation that the Spirit of God is here and the canon is completed. We should give thanks for that every day. We have a unique privilege of where we are in history. And I always give thanks for that. I would have been just as dumb as these people and made the same mistakes. And we know they had been out of Egypt about 25 months. And they had come to this point. Now, it's interesting, if you remember, when I first started about the tin test, in Exodus 6, God made seven I will promises what he would do for Israel. Seven of them. The only one that wasn't done yet was the land. And he was coming to that one now. Joshua and Caleb never forgot it. Moses never forgot it. You can't forget the word of God. But you have to study it completely. So all they had to do was believe his word. And that's all we have to do. Now let's look at the reconnaissance of the lamb. The strategy was given by the Lord to Moses. It wasn't Moses' idea. It was the Lord's idea. Now when the Lord, it's the Lord's idea, you know he always has something else in mind. He's testing. And so he chose a leader from each of the tribes. There were 12 of them. And they were supposed to go up and see what the land was like. And look at the questions. I'll repeat for you. The land, was it good or bad? Resources of the land, fat or lean? Were there trees or not? Um, was there fruit? What are the people of the land like? Strong or weak? Few or many? What are the cities like? Open or fortified? And after 40 days, it says, now I'm going to give you some statistics now, so follow with me. They traveled 40 days. They end up traveling a total of 560 miles. That is 14 miles a day. Think of that. 
Some of them are tired. Oh, I wish it was back with my family. I've got this mission. I, I got to keep looking at the land. They were not, 12, at least 10 of them were not in a very good spirit. 560 miles. See, that's like, um, is that like going to Memphis or further? Probably further. And so when they came back with the reports, there were two reports. The majority report of 10 and the minority report of 2. And later on, I'll refer to these two groups as uh, majority MA and minority MI. And I want you to see, and I, I can't put it out in the notes. It'll be out in the book when I put it out. The majority report focused on the problems you can't focus on the problems. The minority group focused on the promises. The promises of God. That's what we focus on. Not the problems. The problems change all the time. I told my wife I felt like I was a convalescent home this past couple of weeks. She had a broken wrist, back pain, all that. I had one of the cats I had was attacked by a raccoon. Another one was attacked by another cat. And so I had everybody convalescing, taking them to vets and everything. I said, I didn't sign up for this, God. No, you did. The problems are always different. They're always different. The second thing that was different, the majority inventoried their human resources. Oh, dear. But the minority focused on the inventory of the divine resources. We've got to look a different place. If your eyes are in the word of God, focus on his problem, you're going to see the solutions that are there. They will come up. They come up. God told you, you've got to trap that raccoon, you've got to trap that cat. And, of course, I had lent out some of my traps. So I had to borrow a trap from Dr. Allsup and set the traps, caught both of them the same night. But you have to act. God has you to. And the majority magnified the obstacles. That's what they do. They always magnify the obstacles. But the minority magnified the power of the Lord. That's what we got to do. we got to look at his power. His power is greater than any obstacle. We can't forget that. That's why God brings different trials our way, places we've never been. So we won't trust in ourselves but in him. And the majority said the land, the land devours, that people are bigger and taller, they're giants, cities are larger, fortified to heaven. Deuteronomy 129 says they were fortified to heaven. Now, guess what? That's a little bit of an exaggeration. That's what happens when you're in the majority report. We are not focusing on God. We exaggerate how bad it is. But the minority 
saw God as sufficient for any obstacle. Their protection was removed. Caleb said, the Lord is with us. They shall be our prey. Look at the perspective. I'm not going to make them my prey. You're going to make them my prey. They had the perspective of a giant killer perspective of God's ability to keep his promises. That's what we need to have daily. The other, the majority, had a grasshopper complex of inability. We've got to go with the minority. I was in a church, I was teaching elder. I think there were about seven to nine elders. There were some issues that the church, and the church was about five, six hundred people. There were some issues the church was wrestling with. And I firmly believe in um, unanimity of elder decision. And there were some decisions that were made that wasn't unanimous. There were two or three who said, we need to pray about this, slow down, not act. Majority went their own way. That church fell apart five years later as a result of that majority report. And we had a reunion of the people in that church about three or four years ago. And one of the people came up. He said, you know, you were right. We should have been praying more. You can't go with the majority. It's the minority. The reactions of the report, to the reports, there are several. The rebellion, verses 1 through 14 in chapter 14. Our brother made our hearts melt. We're not willing to go up, but rebel against the Lord. They wept. Now, they had wept at Mount Sinai. They had wept at the eighth test. And now they're weeping again. There comes a time where God does not affected by weeping. Tears do not make obedience. Tears do not do it. And the scripture says, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They wished they had died in the wilderness. That was going to happen. God was going to grant that to them. They questioned why. They were fear that they would fall on the sword for their wives and children. They craved new leadership. Wow, just all wrong. Everything wrong, you can do wrong. They did it. That's what happens when you go to the majority, and you're looking at things as the world looks at it. But robust faith looks at it different. Look at the things you would see. We shall surely overcome, 1330. We shall surely overcome. That's the confidence we need to have. The Lord is on our side. What else do we need? And the, the minority were praying. They recognized the seriousness of the situation. They had humility for the Lord. Lord, intervene. They had grief over the sin. They said the land is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us. And they continue to warn, do not rebel, do not fear, their protection has been removed. The Lord is with us. We need to remember that. See, that's the reason why I don't like technology. I don't like technology infiltrating my world. 
when I go to Texas or I go walking, everything's off. Don't want to be interrupted. I want to hear from the Lord. I want to pray through what I've spent time in the scriptures that day. I want to pray for members of the family and people that I know of. So I can make an impact on the world. And so the other day I was, I didn't have my dog. I had to put her down. That was also another thing that came out all during this last three weeks. And uh, there was a guy walking his dog in the park. So I stopped and talked with him, told him my dog had to be put down and visited with him. And he says, I, share, I rescue the foxes and the cats here in the park. Oh, you do? And so we got talking. Had a conversation. And we'll have more. Gave him a reference to it. See, if you're about what the Lord has you to do, the opportunities will be there. They'll be there. Unsuspected but they'll be there. Look at the reproach from the Lord, verses 11 and 12 of uh, uh, Numbers 14. How long will they spurn me? How long will they not believe all the signs? Now think about this. He did 10 miracles in Egypt. He's done 10 tasks where there's been miracles. 20. And this is over about 24 months. And every day they saw the cloud and the pillar of fire at night and they had manna. That's a lot of miracles. How can you not believe? Let's don't be quick to judge. We have the mirror of the God's Spirit, we have the miracle of the Word. We have the miracle of the freedom of worship so far. We have miracles too. We can be just as guilty as unbelief. So God dealt with the majority report. He dispossessed them. And notice now what he says in verse 11, 12. 12. I love it. I will smite them with pestilence and dispossess them. I will make you into a greater nation and mightier, mightier than there. Aha! I'll get rid of them all. And he made that offer once before. I'll use this Moses and I'll start all over. God is not restrained by our limitations on his power. He has more options than we can ever imagine. He's God. He's got to have all the options. Look at the crazy people he's watching over. He has all sorts of options. That should humble us. Look at verses 13 and 14. Let's see if that's where I want to be. Yeah, I want to read uh, a little bit. But Moses said to the Lord, and the Egyptians will hear of it, for by your strength you brought up this people from the midst, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. You've heard that you, Lord, are in the midst of this people, and you, even eye to eye, with your cloud, stands over them. You will go before them in the pillar of cloud by day, 
in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you slay this people as one man, then the nations we have heard of your fame will say, the Lord cannot bring his people into the land which he promised them. Moses is praying for the non-believers who are watching. Think about that. He's praying. His prayer here is focused on the prestige of the Lord and his ways, the greatness of his name. I don't want your name profane. Wow. Do we pray that way? I don't think so. I've started praying that way a little bit more. And notice verse 17, the other thing he prayed, Moses prayed. But now I pray, Lord, let the power of the Lord be great, just as you have declared. He wants the power of the Lord be great. Now, a lot of believers will pray the power of the Lord be great in me. I don't want that. If God gives it to me, that's fine. But I want to pray the power of the Lord is great in other believers. We need to pray that way. We can't pray selfishly. There's no way to, to win the battle praying selfishly. There ought to be churches in Oak Ridge praying together for the Lord's name to be great here. I've led that in other towns. That needs to happen. This battle is not just Faith Bible Fellowship. It's the battle for all who really believe. And then I, I think it's really neat that Moses prays, verse 19, Pardon, I pray, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your love and kindness, just also as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even into now. Look at Moses. He's standing in the gap. He continues to stand in the gap. That's what the saints are supposed to be, standing in the gap. Wow. Wow. We can pray that way today. And there's a lot more that goes on. But notice, I want to notice verse 20. So the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word, but indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. All the earth. See, God's glory cannot be rubbed by, out by man's sin, man's unbelief, man's waywardness, man's pride. God is going to accomplish it. He doesn't need us. He'll do it. And so he told these, he said, uh, these people who had seen his glory, they would not see the Lamb. He disciplined. Here's an interesting statistic. There were about 2.4 million people that came out of Egypt. At least half of those died in the remaining 38 years. Doing a little math, that's about 100 a day. Think about that. 
a reminder every day of a hundred people have died. What a horrible reminder of unbelief. Well, look at, uh, see, I want to look at another verse, which I didn't read. The next morning, after all this had happened, the people came up and told Moses, we have sinned, and this is recorded in Numbers, uh, why don't you read with me, Numbers 14, verse 40. In the morning, however, they rose up early, went up to the ridge of the hill country, saying, Here we are. We have indeed sinned, but we will go up in the place which the Lord, got, Lord has promised. Oops. They're not really serious about confessing their sin. And they went out without the ark, without Moses. They went up presumptuously, and they were beat back like bees chasing them. One other passage, turn with me to Deuteronomy 1. There's a lot in the Old Testament about these events. And I put some of them in the, in the legend. Deuteronomy 1, 41 and 42. Is that right? Yeah. 41 and uh, 41, 42. Then you said to me, we have sinned against the Lord. We will indeed go out and fight, just as the Lord our God com commanded us. And every man of you girded on his weapons of war and regarded it as easy to go up into the hell country. That's what the flesh thinks. It's easy. It's not easy. If it wasn't for Christ and the Spirit of God, we would not win any battles. It's not easy. But a lot of young believers think it's easy. It's not easy. I can't be the age I am and say it's easy. God must be the sinner of it all. Well, let's look at some of my applications. I don't have, have time to get through all of them. I'll give you homework. Number one, the majority focused on problems, not promises, so I, I repeat some of that there. So I'll let you read through that one. We've already touched on it, but I recorded it for you. Two, we must always remember God's ways are not our ways. He has multiple options. That's how come when you go through these passages here in the Old Testament, there are multiple ways he provided water. He didn't do it the same. First time Moses was to strike the rock. Next time he was to speak to the rock. And he didn't speak to it. He struck it. And when I come back on July 3rd, I'm going to talk about where he had him dig for water. He has multiple ways of meeting the need. Number three, Moses prayed for Israel's pardon and God answered in the infirmity, but there was consequences for the unbelief. In one case, what they feared never was realized and their wishes were granted. There are always consequences of sin. 
That's one of the most painful things I've had to endure as a father. When I look at some of my kids and some of the choices they have made as a result of sin, I can't erase those consequences. Just can't erase them. I'm hoping it's going to draw them close to the Lord and the Lord might ease it, but the consequences will still be there. There are different aspects, number four, of unbelief revealed here, and I talked about those. We just mentioned those. Number five, God is looking for men and women that have a different spirit who will fully, fully follow him with faith and obedience to his word. That's what he wants. He wants Caleb's and Joshua's. And those are two guys out of the Old Testament I've always loved. It's an exciting adventure when we are completely available for anything. It's exciting. When you get the privilege to disciple men and women and come along pastors and teaching churches and come along other churches, it's exciting to see what God will do. Because it's all God. It's not me. Even my books about cats. I have a lady who's in my uh, high school class, sent me some emails. She evidently loves cats, and so she's heard about me through some of the channels. And I've been sharing with her the Lord online. And she brought the first book about cats, second book of cats, and the third one's out. The stories all have the gospel in them. And they deal with facets of life. And that's the reason why I write them. It is a soft way to get truth out. It opens doors that nobody else can open. Use how God's made you. If you love animals, go that way. If you love dogs, go that way. God will open doors. Six, pray for the prestige of the Lord's name. Begin this week. Pray for the prestige of his name. People who profane his name, deal with them. Ask God to deal with them. Pray for his power to be great in us and others, for pardon and mercy to those we cross paths with. Blessed are the merciful, so they shall receive mercy. And lastly, and this is the reason why I changed the name of the, this lesson, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord no matter how great man's sin and unbelief are. He will get the glory. Well, Father, we pray that you'll get the glory. This sermon has been challenged us to spend more time in your word, to look at more details, to do more writing about what we see to do journaling for what we read, that we not honor you with all that we do, all that we say, all that, all, that it will all be in Christ's name. In that name we pray, amen.